Hey there, Mike Stelzner. Before we start today's show, I just want to let you know that almost exactly a month from the release of today's show is Social Media Marketing World 2019. Many people that attend claim it's the most diverse, widest variety of marketing content that you will ever find on the planet. We literally cover everything you could possibly imagine related to online marketing. So if you've been on the fence, today is the day to get your ticket. And if you can't physically get to San Diego, be sure to check out the virtual ticket. You can find out more by visiting socialmediaworld19.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Selzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Marketing World 2019. And today, I'll be joined by Scott McCain, and we're going to explore how to become iconic, how to stand out in a world where it's very, very hard to stand out. I think you're going to find a lot of value in today's podcast episode. By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I got a really cool, fun tool for people who are wanting to take their marketing to the tangible next level. It's Sticker Mule. Sticker Mule is fun because what it does is it can make stickers of your face or face magnets or face buttons. And it's really cool because all you do is you take a picture and you select the face in the picture and send it to them and they outline that face and then they literally make it into a sticker or a magnet, again, or buttons, huh. or giant face decals, kind of like the cardboard ones we had at Social Media Marketing World 2018 with the large heads of all our speakers and even you. Okay, so you give it a picture. Does it just figure out how to trace your head, or do you have to do that yourself? It, it kind of does it, you know, how, like, basically face detection is there. You can right. perfect it if you need to, but for the most part, they get it right. Obviously, this is not a free service because you're getting a physical, tangible product, but, you know... Um, have you tried it yet? I have not personally tried it. I know people who actually, I'm pretty sure this was a service that one of our people made to uh, do scout stickers. That's actually, you know. Our, so our, scout our, is our logo stuff. for people that have yes. no clue what he's talking about. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So, okay, cool. So my understanding is you can do pretty low quantity runs. Does that seem about right? Yeah. I mean, literally I went into the pricing and I was like, oh, for these stickers, like, and for the, for the quality of them, for these being die cut stickers, like basically you can get 50 of them for $57. So you're talking like a dollar or a little under, a little over, like just barely. So, I mean, you're talking like, this is pretty, this is pretty nice. Like, so if you wanted to come to social media marketing world and you had a brand or a personality that, it doesn't have to be, by the way, just your face. It could be your logo, right? You could yes, give you exactly. could give out stickers, and people put them on their laptops, and it's just kind of a little kind of cool thing. Okay, so where do we where do we find it? Yeah, so uh, stickermule.com. 
is where you would go and there's all the different options for not just the face stickers, but everything else they have. And it's uh, sticker, S-T-I-C-K-E-R, mule, M-U-L-E.com. And in case anybody's wondering, these fines are never paid promotions. These are just random things that we discover and nobody at these companies has any clue that we're going to be promoting them. So just want you guys to know that this is not an advertisement. This is just a cool little something that Eric discovered. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. And now for today's interview with Scott McCain. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Scott McCain. If you don't know who Scott is, he's a professional speaker and author of the book, Create Distinction. His podcast is Project Distinct, and his latest book is Iconic, How Organizations and Leaders Attain, Sustain, and Regain the Ultimate Level of Distinction. Scott, welcome to the show. Michael, thanks so much. It's it's a privilege to be on with you. I've, I've been excited about this for a while, so thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me. So today, Scott and I are going to explore how marketers can help their business become iconic. We'll talk about what that means in just a minute, but before we go there, I'd love to hear your story, Scott. How'd you get here? Start wherever you want to start. Well, I, I appreciate you asking. I, um, I, I was very fortunate. I, I was a student leader of a national youth organization, and because of that, a lot of folks heard me speak. And so I built a career as a professional speaker, but uh, one of the challenges when you start so young is, you know, you're, you're, you're a mile wide and an inch deep. I I would speak about anything. If if people said, what do you speak about? I typically say about an hour. (laughs) It's if you, if you need a time management program, stress management, sales, goal setting, it didn't matter. I could, I could come up with something and be reasonably proficient at, at presenting it. Um, and I was doing well, you know, I was making a decent living and things were going great. And, uh, then tragically my wife, Sherry, uh, was diagnosed with terminal ovarian cancer. And so for about four to five years, I was the sole caregiver there. And of course that meant that I had to drastically cut back on my time on the road and, and kind of, uh, I wouldn't say totally got out of the speaking business, but certainly it was it was just you know just enough to get by. After Sherry's passing, I I had to get back in. You know, I wanted to get back in the loop. I had you know just just medical bills, and I was in a situation I had to be successful. And uh, so what, I took I took the approach of calling the speakers bureaus that had booked me in the past. And, and I just thought, well, let me find out what my brand is. I, you know, I'm a big believer in asking customers what their perceptions are. So I called the bureaus and I said, when you recommend me to your clients, what do you say? And the number one answer I kept hearing back was a great speaker and a nice guy. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I, I want to be a nice guy and I hope I'm a great speaker. I, I work hard at my craft. But that's the kiss of death, right? I mean, the, the, I, in my mind, I, I just couldn't picture the vice president of Ford sitting in a meeting saying, you know, for this year's sales conference, we need a really nice guy. Uh, you you want a woman or a man who has expertise in a particular field that helps them to stand out in the marketplace. So I started researching that. How, how, how do you take a business and make it stand out? And to my amazement, it was really difficult then 12 years ago to to find anything. There, there was a book, Differentiate or Die by Al Trout. There were, there were several different, you know, terrific books, but, but there wasn't a, 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 any resource that would really, really be prescriptive in terms of what it would take for me to market my business in a way that would help it 
stand out from from competitors. So as I started researching that, the blinding flash of the obvious was uh, if other people are having a difficult time finding this, maybe I could help. You know, may, may we call this a clue. Right? I mean, maybe there's a there's a spot in the marketplace for this. And the more I researched it, the more I talked about it, the more I developed it. Uh, I, I found out that that there certainly was. Um, this was also during the time of the economic collapse and recession. So I wrote a book called Collapse of Distinction. Huh. Uh, that we, in the second edition, because of the changing economy, they retitled it Create Distinction. Uh, I was very fortunate. The Miami Herald first, then 30 other newspapers named it as one of the 10 best business books of the year. Was that like 2008, 2009? Yeah, right, right. So it's, so how did that yep. book change things for you? Talk about it a little bit more. Well, you know, it, it, it hit the marketplace really a little bit before uh, marketers and particularly on social media, we're really focusing on how do they differentiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, as that became a more prevalent topic, I had already established expertise in the marketplace. So it kind of became the go-to, uh, book on here's, here's the pathway of what we need to do in, in marketing or in, even in, in selling or running our business or whatever it might take to, to stand out. And then I, I think it really got exacerbated, Michael, in, in, for me in a good way, by how we've seen changes in social media marketing over the last decade. Right. Because th- there, there's so much content out there. there. There's there's so many things out there. Um, it, it, it's not just about being viral, but it's about gaining traction in a way that's meaningful to customers and, and prospects. And, and that's gotten harder to do. So it's become a more important topic because of that. For me personally, and 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 for our small business, that was certainly very very beneficial. So your latest book is called Iconic. Um, kind of bring the rest of the story to the present day. What are you doing these days? Well, what happened was, you know, I'd, I'd work with these clients who uh, um, followed the pathway, and I was very fortunate. You know, they keep calling me back because they were experiencing you know greater sales success, greater uh, attraction of customers and retention and. And, and retention not only in t- and attraction not only in terms of customers, but in terms of employees being being an employer of choice. And, and so they would say, okay, so what's next? We've created distinction. What's next? And and it dawned on me, I'd, I'd written a book and and done a lot of research on how do you get there, but I, I, I really hadn't done that much in terms of once you get there, how do you keep it? Mm-hmm. Or, or if you've lost that place in the market, how, can you get it back? So that's what I started working on for the for the new book. I, I, I tell the story in the book. Uh, one of my great clients is Fairmont Hotels, and I was uh, at a at a meeting with uh, a couple of executives from Fairmont, and they said, "So we've done distinction. Now what's next?" And there's one particular property, the one in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Fairmont Princess, that I, I use as a case study in the book, and and that's where it came from. I said, "Well, next will be iconic," and I, I was I was joking. I was kind of laughing about it, and they they started writing it down. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe I'm onto something here. Uh, and and that was the, how I defined it was that distinctive means you stand out in your respective marketplace. But iconic means you transcend your specific field and and you become recognized and and become almost an example beyond your own specific industry. Love so it. that was a lot of fun to research and work on that. Love it. And, you know, like you said earlier, uh, we're recording this in 2019. And in this era, there is a lot of people creating a lot of content trying to stand out in a world that's arguably noisier than it's ever been. So uh, I guess this is kind of a pre-setup for my next question, which is, um, why do you feel it's so important for us to be distinct and or iconic these days? 
Well, exactly what you mentioned, Michael. I mean, there's there's so much clutter in the marketplace that we we have to figure out how we can break through. And the reason that's important is that, that one of the things I learned is that, that the customers we attract will have more value to our business than the customers we pursue. And, and marketing, old school marketing, traditionally has been thought of as customer pursuit. We're going to fog our messages out there so much that you know maybe you'll surrender and 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 give us a chance. Now I think it's about attraction. It, it it's about being clear about what our values are and, and being clear about why a customer should prefer us as opposed to the competition in the marketplace. Because when we attract people to our message and our values and our our, our com- communication on social media. What happens is those customers are more likely to do business with us. But but in addition to that, they're more likely to repeat their business and to refer our business. So to me, that's where growth comes from. I mean, growth for any business is the combination of acquisition and retention. And and this attraction philosophy uh, does both of those, but it only works if we can you know break through this clutter that's out there that, that we, we all recognize is dominant in the social media. I love this concept because... If we think about traditional marketing and we even think so much about social marketing, you know, it's really all been about broadcasting, right? Like, um, yeah. like you mentioned, like get on the Super Bowl commercial, right? So that the most amount of people will see your ad or put billboards on the highway in the big city so that everybody who drives by cannot miss what you have. Where what you're saying is like, rather than like interrupting people's experiences, somehow figure out a way to draw them to you. And that's kind of a unique philosophy. You want to expand on that a little bit more? Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I think it, it goes back to, you know, and, and there's, I, this certainly isn't new original to me, but you know, when we talk about social media, a lot of people focus on the media and not the social, the, the strength of social media is the ability to interact and to dialogue. I mean, I've, I've spent about an hour today connecting with people with questions from the book or, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that, that heard something, uh, that I, I said in a speech and wanted to know, you know, how could they use that in their organization? And we didn't have that opportunity before. And if, if we ignore that, I, I think we really miss one of the greatest opportunities that, that we have. I, I was at, um, Comcast in Philadelphia. Uh, they brought together some social media leaders to, to talk with them about what they're doing in terms of communication. And, and it's, it's remarkable the philosophy change that they've had specifically in that organization. You know, it's how do we interact now? How do we help now? N- not how do we have a call center process you? And don't get me wrong. I mean, I've done work with call center folks as well, but but it, it's that social part that really encourages us to participate. Look, the, the, the key is the emotional connectivity because that's the only place that loyalty comes from in any business relationship. There's no reason for me to be loyal to anything towards which I have no feeling. So through social media and through breaking through the clutter and establishing this, this attraction and this philosophy, we, we can create this bond, this, this emotional connectivity with, with our customers and our prospects that transcends transaction and, and sets us up for the long haul. Perfect. Talk to me about like, what do we need to be thinking about if we want to be iconic? Where do we start, I guess, is the question. Uh, yeah, and, and that's a great question because I, part of what I really strongly suggest is that at the risk of sounding like my logic professor in college, you know, here we go. Uh, you can be distinctive and not be iconic, but you can't be iconic without first becoming distinctive. 
In other words, you can't transcend your category unless you begin by standing out in your category. So really the first step is to create distinction. And there are four cornerstones of distinction that I discovered in the research there. And it, it starts with cornerstone number one, which is clarity. You can't differentiate what you can't define. There, there was a study by the, the National Retail Federation not long ago, and it said that 70% of frontline employees cannot describe to a customer why that customer is better off to purchase from the place they work than the competition. Hmm. 70% of frontline people can't tell a customer why they're better off buying from us where I'm getting my paycheck as opposed to someplace else. And the, you know, the, the questions were, well, isn't that training? Isn't that, and I think it goes back to clarity. I, I think unless marketers are clear about what those advantages are, how in the world can we expect our employees to be clear about what those advantages are? And, and we often overlook in social media, we're not just communicating to customers and prospects. Our own employees are, are reading this and, you know, following us. And so it becomes a great tool not only to market externally, but to market internally so that our own teams become more clear about what separates us from the competition. Help put a little like meat on the bone on that one. Sure. Like I get the concept of clarity. I get that our staff needs to understand what we're all about, but like help people practically understand how they might be able to do that. One of the examples that I use is, is the old Hollywood term. My, my first book I wrote you know, over 15 years ago was called All Business is show business. I, I was also a movie reviewer at the time and was syndicated to a hundred television stations around the world. And, and, and so I was, I, I kind of lived this double life and I was trying to figure out how could you bridge what I was learning about the entertainment industry that I thought typical businesses need to understand. And, and, and show business also needed to understand some of the things that was going on in traditional business. But the, the term is high concept and, and most of us know what that is now. But, but it's, if I say bomb on a bus, you think of the movie speed, even though the film is 25 years old and took you two hours to watch. Um, Sandra Bullock, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Exactly. And, 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 uh, we think some movies, even the, the title is the high concept snakes on a plane. Let's think about the pizza business for a second, very competitive business, a lot of players in it. But if I say your pizza in 30 minutes, majority of people think of Domino's, even though they haven't used that slogan since the nineties, but, but it emphasizes that Domino's has, has put their flag in the ground about delivery. Yet a pizza place that I went to when I was growing up, uh, my, my father-in-law was best buddies. This guy owned a bar in Southern Indiana and uh, the bar owner's son sold his car to buy a pizza oven to put in a closet so he could sell pizzas to the people that came into dad's bar. And even back then they said better ingredients, better pizza. Hmm. Now, you know, Papa John has certainly uh, fallen on some difficult times, but the company itself still holds true to that mantra, which is we're, we're going to put our flag in the ground in terms of the quality of the product. Now, Papa John's delivers at most locations, and Domino's certainly is concerned about product quality, but the clarity about what is most important to our business is is truly significant because it it separates both of them from all the other you know, myriad of national and local competitors in that business. And so when I, when I say to marketers or when I, when I say to CEOs, you know, can you describe what you do in six seconds? Most of them fail miserably. Uh, when, when we put a, when we put a mission statement together, uh, typically you can tell it's been done by a committee. <laughs> you know, right. we try to, we try to get in every aspect of everything that, 
that, that we do. And, and, you know, my buddy Joe Calloway tells this great story about one of the Olympic rowing teams that just put a sign on the wall that says, does it make the boat go faster? And everything they were about was, does it make the boat go faster? Now it doesn't mean there weren't other things that weren't important, but the primary thing is, does it make the boat go faster? And, and, you know, Domino's is focused on delivery. Papa John's is focused on product quality. We know what Walmart stands for. It's low prices every day. You know, they're, they're not saying you're going to have a sophisticated experience. They're not saying it's, it's absolutely essential. And, and so when I looked at not only big businesses, I mean, and we're, those tend to be overused simply because they're examples that everyone can relate to, but, but even a, a small business, uh, if, if you're so clear about what you do, that's part of the attraction process. I mean, nobody is loyal to a generic what we're loyal to are those brands, those companies, those businesses of all sizes that truly create a compelling reason. Um, there, there is a plumbing company, you know, plumbers that I wrote about. And uh, their, their whole slogan is, we'll show up on time, smell good, and you won't see our butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm having flashbacks I, to, to plumbers. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks to those seriously. other plumbers. I mean, yeah. Now, all of a sudden, they've separated themselves from other plumbers because what right. they're saying is we're going to be there on time. When we say they were going to be there, we're right. going to smell good. Right. And we're going we're gonna to dress. So, so you know, yeah. you, you don't have to worry about your kids or anybody seeing yeah. the, 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 the plumber cleavage. And, yeah. and so it can work for any size business, but most of us haven't walked through that okay. exercise. To so clarity that. really means coming up with the simple way to describe what you're all about internally and externally. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? That is absolutely right, Michael. That that nails it. That is absolutely it. Okay, cool. I think you said there was four, right? So what's the yeah, next one? Well, okay. So then the second one is creativity. By the way, it might be interesting. When I was doing the research, I have to admit, I, you know, you have your own bias when you start on something like this. And my bias was the creativity would be first, right? That's how you stood out. You were innovative. You, you, and, and the research proved that that assumption was wrong. And, and one of the things that I did, I went to Nashville and I interviewed songwriters, talked to about 30 songwriters. Now these are people that make their living based on creativity, right? If they, if they don't, if they don't maintain creativity, they don't get paid. They got to keep writing songs. And, and to a person, everyone says clarity came before creativity. And I said, how does that work? And uh, one songwriter that I talked to, matter of fact, she wrote the Faith Hill hit Breathe of several years ago. Uh, she said, look, I, I've written number one songs on the pop charts, the rock charts, and the country charts. So I've got to decide, is this going to be a pop song, rock song, country song? Is it going to be a song by a male, a female, or a group? Going to be up-tempo? Going to be a ballad? What's going? Until I'm clear on that, I can't really get creative. And it really inspired me to think, we hear so much about thinking outside the box, maybe part of that is because we've been so lazy about defining the box to begin with. I like that. Let's be honest. Creativity must be renewed over and over it's, again. Clarity it, it, is forever, right? Right, right. And, and so the point that she was making and the songwriters were making to me is how, how do you have consistent creativity without being clear first? Right. I like that. And so the, the, the example that, that really struck me was the Taylor family in St. Louis that decided to start a rental car company, you know, a little local rental car company at the old St. Louis airport in the basement. And naturally they're going to compete against Hertz, Hertz and Avis and the big boys. And, 
And so they made a list of every point of contact that a customer would have with a, with a rental car agency. And it's, it's in the Create Distinction book. There are 13 points of contact they outlined. And they said, let's just pick one of them and flip it upside down and, and be creative there. And you probably already know, Michael, the, the Taylor family still owns that rental car business that they named Enterprise. Oh, is it the we'll pick you up thing? Yeah, exactly. So what, what they said is, look, the, the Ford is the same, right? There's zero product variation in that industry. The Ford I get from Avis is the same as the Ford I get from Hertz or from Enterprise. So how do we find just one point to be creative? And and that was another revelation to me was the assumption is with with innovation that we've got to blow up everything we have and rebuild it and disrupt it. But if you really look at it, if if we can find a single tweak that we can make as opposed to the industry standard, um, th- th- there's a tire company, a smaller tire company in the Pacific Northwest called Les Schwab Tires. And you pull into Les Schwab and all of a sudden the this, this smartly uniformed employee bursts out of the door and runs up to your car and welcomes you. Now, I, <laughs> I joke, I thought it was, I've never had that kind of experience you know, at a tire place. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but, but exactly. And so uh, they call it sudden service. Now the tires are the same, <laughs> but they've made a name in that part of the nation because of among other things that they do running out to welcome you. Huh. So it's not that we have to change our product and as social media marketers, how in the world, you know, if, if I'm a social media marketer for the XYZ company, I'm probably not changing the product. I'm probably not changing the price. So what I have to do is to find just one specific thing that can twist it, that can help it, that can, that can help me create distinction in that. It doesn't have to be everything. It just has to be just one thing. It sounds like you kind of hinted at the way we might go about doing this would be to kind of outline all of the things that our competition does and then figure out that one little area where we can go kind of crazy. Is that what I'm hearing you say? You're exactly right, Michael. I mean, that that's exactly it. And, and see people, you know, in recorded history, no customer has ever said, I love doing business with them. They're exactly like the competition. <laughs> I mean, right. That's not why, that's not why they're attracted to us. They'll say, I love doing business with them because, and it will always be something innovative, different, creative, unique. And, and so that's where we have to focus. And, and the same thing is true with our marketing. Yeah. I, I pay attention to what they say because they say the same thing as everybody else. One of the things <laughs> that we do, uh, for, for our conference is as people are coming up the escalator upstairs, we've got a bunch of people giving them high fives and we have oh. people going down the escalator with little signs in their hands as people are coming up the escalator, just to kind of like get them amped up so that by the time they get to the top of this monster escalator at this San Diego convention center, everybody's like having a party up there and people remember that it's kind of their first impression kind of thing. My, my guess is too, Michael, and I, I haven't had the privilege of, of attending, but my guess is too, that that also opens people up to talk more with other people. Absolutely. Right? It's just because one of you- many things that we do, but at the core of it for us is our clarity, which is that we want people to feel welcome because yes. we know when they come to a conference and they don't know anybody, they feel like they don't, they feel like they want to retreat into a corner. You bet. I love that. I absolutely, but you can imagine with, with my situation as a speaker, I can walk on stage and I can tell from just, just the vibe for lack of a better term right. from the audience is, is everybody comfortable are, are people talking with each other or are people there, you know, privately taking their own notes and not, not interacting with other people? You, you can, you can smell it. You can read it from the stage. And, and 
that is such a brilliant idea. I, I, I love that. Thank you. So, so far we've talked about clarity and creativity. What else do we need to be thinking about? Well, the next one is the one that it, it seems so obvious and it's, it's something that all of us in, in social media marketing do, which is communication. Um, but, but the important, one of the important aspects to note is that the communication comes after we've worked on the clarity piece and the creativity piece. Now we're ready to communicate this internally and externally. And one of the things that we all realize and is, is certainly front of mind with a lot of the organizations that I'm working with and speaking to is just the sheer number of, of generations in the marketplace and how messages are, are different and, and, and desires are different in terms of communication uh, with generations. One of the cool companies that I work with, one of the first things they ask their customers is, now how would you like for us to communicate with you going forward? You know, if you want phone calls, we'll call you. If you want a letter in the mail, we'll mail you. If you want email, we'll do that. If you want a text, we'll do that. You want a, a DM on Twitter, we'll do that. I mean, whatever you want us to do is how we're going to communicate with you. And and I think that's a, a, a real great approach to distinction is let's let the customer define for us the preferred method of communication. But but then the second thing about communication that's, that's also critical um, – is, is it's the power of narrative. It's, it's the power of story. As far as I can see from, from what I've looked into it is that, that narrative story is the only form of communication that transverses all generations. Baby boomers love a good story. Millennials love a good story. We all love a compelling narrative. But yet what happens is because of a character limit or because of, you know, we want to push our message out there, we, we don't think of enough often about how the recipient is going to hear our message of communication and how do we create a compelling narrative for them, not just something to, to broadcast out, you know, product and price and the typical things that, that often get pushed. So is the key thing to being distinctive um, more the story side of it or is it the story and the way we're communicating it? Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's the combination of the two. I think the magic is in the mix. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter how we communicate it if we don't create a compelling story. And I think but once that compelling story is created, now finding different approaches to use the various media and methods that we have then becomes really important. Yeah, and I think you're onto something here because depending on how big your audience is, and my audience is pretty large, yeah. you're going to have sections of that audience that prefer audio communication, which are all of you fine people that are listening right now. You're going to have people that love to read, which are all the people that are reading our blog. You're going to have people that love to watch things, right? Which are going to be people maybe on our YouTube channel. And if that story is only communicated through one channel, fill in the blank. Is that good or bad? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, you know, just, just so you know, I try to walk the talk. One of the ways we changed our business is that if somebody decides they want me to speak, the first thing we do is to send a survey to every attendee that's going to be in the meeting. And we let them help define what they face every day at work. You know, what, what part of this are they facing the most challenges with? Then I do a pre-event video that we send to everybody. Mm. Then, you know, I, I give the speech. Then after it's over, we provide everybody with a link and they can download a book. They can watch video. There's an audio uh, learning program that they can that they can learn. And it's all part of the same, you know, it's all part of the fee. And, and so 
what I'm trying to do with our business is to change it. So, you know, we, we have to model the message that we, that, that we communicate. And, and that's, that's one of the things in the new book iconic that I really emphasize is that, you know, customers are going to base their evaluation of us on, on that mix of promise and performance. And so how we communicate to this third cornerstone, that promise is absolutely critical because it sets up the standard by which we will be judged. Awesome. So the fourth cornerstone is a customer experience focus. Each of those words are important in that. And I I picked that very carefully uh, because I see some folks talking about the importance of the customer experience. And I see some folks talking about a customer focus. And what what I'm really trying to get to with that, Michael, is how, how does it feel to do business with us? And what I've found is that a lot of organizations and, and a lot of marketing leaders haven't really drilled down deeply enough into that. Um, the, the term that I use and we hold the, the trademark on is called the ultimate customer experience. Hmm. And in the, the three key words there are, and then what, right? Um, somebody responds to something that we've posted on Instagram and then what, right? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? What's our next step? And then what? Do, do we want a response from them? Do we have a step that we want them to take? And, and what we keep doing is making that as granular and as specific a, as we possibly can. We continue to push that and then what? Even to the point that they've purchased our product or service. Well, and then what? Are we going to get them on a subscription? Are we going to follow up with them? How do we encourage their you know, referrals? All of those things are absolutely, absolutely critical. When I think of customer experience in the little company that I have, and I've got a decent number of employees, sure, I know that um, that sometimes one division, like the operations team, will come up with something that they think is very efficient, but they're not actually thinking about what it's going to be like for the recipient. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it's like, okay, that might save you time and that might save you money, but in the end, it's going to create something that will frustrate the customer, right? And I think of that show, Undercover Boss. Scott, I don't know if you ever watched that show. I have written about that show. Okay. Let's see what you're... <laughs> yeah, so you know. So like so many of these bosses, these CEOs come out of the Avery Tower into the businesses only to realize they had no clue what was going on. So, you know, I'm with you. I think that, first of all, the customer is important. Back before Sears was bankrupt, I actually used to work for that company when I was a young kid. And they taught me the three-second rule and that the customer was always right. The three-second rule was you got to acknowledge the customer within three seconds. And um, the customer was always right meant no matter what, you try to satisfy the customer. Back in the day, that was really valuable. It still is today. Um, The experience part of it, talk to me about that. Well, it, it, it gets exactly with what you're saying. I mean, to your point, what I wrote about uh, Undercover Boss is it's, it's frankly one of my least favorite shows. I, I, I think it is a tragedy every right. week. Right. Because if, if, if that boss doesn't know what's happening on the front line, that's a bad boss. I don't care if you're the CEO. I, I, I don't care you know, what business that you're in. Uh, if you don't know what, what your customers on the front line are experiencing, which means you better know what your employees on the front line are experiencing. If you don't know that you're, you're a bad boss. And I, I, I just, uh, to me, that show every week it, it's held up as, you know, this great thing. Look what we're doing. The boss is learning it, it, to me. It's a tragedy every week, so, but the experience aspect is, is all about, you know, we, we talked earlier about the feeling, the feeling is what creates the loyalty. The feeling is what creates the emotion. The experience is, 
you know, it, it is part of it. And I've got some things I always hate it when businesses say here, here's one of them. We exceed customer expectations. <laughs> How do you know what the customer expects? I, I work with businesses all the time that say that. And then I say, okay, so what's your customer expect? Well, we think what they, you think, <laughs> How, how, how do you exceed an experience of which you're unaware? Uh, you know, what, right. what if they think you're awful? Oh, you're going to, you're going to exceed that. Wow. You're setting the bar high for yourself, aren't you? <laughs> you know, it's just, we get these business cliches, right? People are our greatest asset. Then how come you treat them like an expense? You know, I mean, so, so sew it all together. Like how do we yeah. get iconic or, and, or, you know, um, distinctive if we do all four of these things kind of help us wrap our brain around that. Well, what happens in each of those is you create the, 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 you, you plant the seeds that over a period of time will, will separate you from the competition. The reason I know this is a couple of decades, a little more of experience of working with companies of all sizes of, of everything from a, a, a chimney sweep company in Nashville to a craft brewery here in Las Vegas to, uh, you know, uh, being invited to speak by Apple and and Intel and Cisco. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter the size of the business. What really matters is, are you doing these things? Are you planting these seeds that the culmination of which is that you'll stand out? And from working with so many businesses, I can tell you very few have gone through even just the clarity piece of this. So the, the next step about being iconic then is, is, you know, how do you take it to an even higher level than that? It's, it's emphasizing those four. It's, it's also some of the different things that iconic businesses do uh, in terms of promise and performance. Iconic businesses have stopped selling, you know, as our, our mutual friend Scott Stratton talks about in, in unselling and unmarketing, they, they start engaging. But, but I also found that when, when, when they focus more on the relationship than the sale, they end up selling more too. Hmm. And, and all of those things are the kinds of things that matter regardless of, of the size of your business, regardless of the size of your organization, you can find a way to break through the clutter and to stand out if, if you focus on those, those cornerstones. You mentioned the chimney sweep. Tell us about what they're doing. Well, it, it, it's a cool guy, a guy named Mark Stoner. And, uh, I, I tried, my, my dad ran a little grocery store in Southern Indiana. And one of the things that always struck me was that, uh, you know, a lot of folks like me get this wonderful opportunity to talk to big businesses, but, but, but who talks to the guy like my dad was, right? So I, I started a program for entrepreneurs and uh, Mark was a part of that program. And so what we, what we focused on is, okay, so how does a chimney sweep stand out? What are some of the things that you could do to go through this process? And, and what, with the clarity piece, nobody wants their chimney swept. You want a home safe from fire. And so what we did was to focus on, not on sweeping your chimney, but on the safety that happens when, when you do that, he's based in Nashville. So then we talked about creativity. How did you, how do you change that? And so they, they focused on exactly what you mentioned earlier, Michael, here's the normal things that a chimney sweep does. Here's, here's a couple that we're going to do differently in terms of, you know, laying paper when we come in. So we never once step on your carpet, all these kinds of things, but, but, and, and then communicating that one of the things they do too is, and this is part of what I talk about in iconic, they actively seek out what did they do to upset a customer? You get a card left when, when they leave, they personally call every client. Now that's 60 phone calls a day that they're making wow. to, to ascertain, did we, and this is, you know, this is what they say. What do we do to piss you off? Is there anything we did to piss you off? Wow. 
because the problem often comes into play that if a customer complains, we solve the problem for that customer, but we don't fix the process that created the problem in the first place. And, and so they actively seek that out through their communication and then the experience. So then what the next step was, okay, so if safety through the chimney, are there other things that we could do to make your home safe? So they now do evaluations in, in homes. So for example, if you have a small child, is every electrical outlet covered? You know, all of these kinds of things to make a home safe because statistics show that's where the most accidents happen. And CNBC recently did a thing called uh, uh, Blue Collar Millionaires, and it featured Mark on the program because they have built a multi-million dollar business in Nashville, Tennessee with ash busters that, that started as a simple, you know, we'll come in and sweep your chimney. And they followed the process of creating distinction to create a multi-multi-million dollar business. Awesome. Do you have any more examples that you want to share before we... Ask where we can oh, find out more about Oh, I appreciate you, you asking. Yeah. You know, a, a, a quick one that I, I talk about uh, a little bit in the book, a couple. Uh, one is St. Elmo's Steakhouse in Indianapolis, where I, I lived before here. There are nine steakhouses in an eight-block area, and St. Elmo's beats all of the national competition. St. Elmo's has a higher gross revenue than Tavern on the Green in New York City. And the reason that it, it works that way is because of their iconic approach to, to what they do. They have a couple things that's different. They have a, a shrimp cocktail sauce that has so much horseradish in it, you will cry. It is unbelievable. The steaks are fantastic, but here's what they really did. They, they focused on the, and they kind of tweaked it a bit, and I learned from them. They focused on the ultimate employee experience first. So every waiter has a business card. Waiters make it, they have waiters there that have been there 35 years and they compensate them. They have a 401k plan. They have a profit sharing plan. They have a dinner every year and you get a bottle of wine at the dinner based on the year that you started working there. And he said, man, let me tell you, when you're buying 35 year old wine every year, it's, that is not an insignificant expense. See, here's, here's part of the challenge. I think Michael too, we, we keep our eye too much on our competition. We need to have competitive awareness, certainly, but too often we let the competition in our industry decide for us what we're going to do because we don't, you know, we, we think the safest thing in the world is to make certain that we don't poke our head up too far from the yeah, competition. Yeah, if we're like everyone else, then we're not going to stand out, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and the study I did from a, another book I did called What Customers Really Want um, about 10, 12 years ago, the thing that shocked me in that was this. Customers don't evaluate you on an industry-specific basis. Customers evaluate you on the totality of experiences that they've had. And and so no matter what business you're in, your competition is Starbucks and Marriott and Volkswagen and, you know, every place that your customers had an experience. When I'm on Twitter, I don't go, oh, wow, that's a great tweet for a landscaping company. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, I just go, does that get my attention or not? And, and, and so what we have to do is to have competitive awareness, but, but to look at these ways of what we can do to stand out so that we are not defined by our industry competition, but we aspire to a higher level of being distinctive and iconic that, that can truly pay incredible dividends for us now and in the future. Awesome, Scott. This has been absolutely fascinating for me to kind of process and think through. Um, tell everyone where they can get your latest book, Iconic, and where they can discover more about you. I, oh, uh, thank you for asking. Um, 
Iconic and, and Create Distinction both are available, as you might imagine, on Amazon and, and as the old line says, wherever books are sold. <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, if you'd like more information on the book first, our, our website is just iconicbusinessbook.com, and that'll give you all the information about more, more detailed information about the book. Uh, m- my website is scottmccain.com, and it's M-C-K-A-I-N. ScottMcCain.com is is the information on our business or speaking services. But there's one other I'd like to add, if if you don't mind, yeah, go Michael, for it. and it's it's DistinctionNation.com. And if you go there, all of your listeners uh, will will have it set up so that all your listeners can sign up for free. There is a uh, audio course on creating distinction that they can download. There's nothing there's nothing on there to buy, even if you wanted to. Uh, it, I I want to walk the talk and provide the service. You can download my book, The Ultimate Customer Experience, for free. You can download the audio program for free. There's videos on there that you can watch. It's it's what we make available to our audience members at speeches that I do. And may I offer that to your listeners as well. It's just distinctionnation.com. Distinctionnation.com. Scott McCain, on behalf of all my listeners, I just want to say thank you so much for coming and providing so much value to us. It's been a thrill, Michael. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's interview. There's anything we mentioned, you didn't capture it. You can get the notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 341. Also, do not forget Social Media Marketing World 2019 is just around the corner. Grab your ticket by visiting socialmediaworld19.com. Get to see me, get to shake my hand, get to meet a lot of the people that have been on this podcast. I hope you can make it. And by the way, if you can't, don't forget we do have a virtual ticket option. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.